home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right. Halfway through the first quarter, Dallas leading Tampa Bay 6-0. As we have the final NFL game of the wild card weekend in progress i i kind of refuse to call it the super wild card weekend just because they added games over the last couple years anyway six nothing dallas and they are knocking on the door in the nhl predators lead the flames two nothing in the second period also in the second islanders up three two on the capitals blues up two nothing on the senators in the third rangers leading the blue jackets three one penguins up two one on the ducks the stars have beaten the golden knights four nothing bruins Pound the Flyers 6-zip. Panthers win 4-1 at Buffalo. Colorado wins at home 6-3 over Detroit. Devils 4, Sharks 3 in a shootout. And the Lightning beat the Kraken 4-1. So Seattle's winning streak comes to an end after eight consecutive wins, seven of them on the road. The Pacific Division standings, Vegas 58 Seattle and L.A., both 56 points. Calgary and Edmonton, both 51. As I told you, Calgary's on the ice right now. They are losing, and the Oilers play the Kraken tomorrow, 5.30 for the face-off show game at 7 here on 6.30. Chad, Dak Prescott runs it in, 12-0 Cowboys, leading the Buccaneers 6-13. Uh, left in the second quarter in that game. I just said the first quarter. It is the second quarter. Yeah, uh, just some wild finishes over the weekend, wild plays along the way. We had the Chargers and Jaguars radio calls on the show earlier of that last play of uh, giving the Jaguars a win after trailing 27-0 at one point. They won 31-30. Here's the Cincinnati call. Dan Horde, the radio play-by-play voice. Third down and goal from the one. Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40. The 30. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Bengals. That is the Sam Hubbard touchdown that turned out to be the winning points. The voice in the background was the color commentator, Dave Lampham, who used to play for the Bengals. He was very excited, as you could tell, as I welcome Blake Dermott to Inside Sports. Hello, Blake. How are you doing, Reed? Did you like that like that radio call? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a little exciting. Uh, it, I mean, it was exciting. And that was... Uh, that essentially saved the Bengals season right there. Uh, um, and, and I, you know, uh, when you watch Hubbard run, like he was gasping for air because uh, <laughs> he had to go back on the field right after that. <laughs> okay, a lot to talk about from those games. And I always think of you when I'm watching a game and something crazy happens because I'll think, I wonder what Blake thinks of that because you've, you've taught me so much about football over the years and to never just look at the surface level of a play to think about what else might have happened before the result of the play occurred. So I'm going to tell you my thoughts and then I want to see what you think. The quarterback sneak has become more of a thing in the NFL this year with the guys pushing the quarterback. 
And when the and it, it looked to me like the Ravens had a, a pusher or two behind Huntley, and then instead he jumps, which I know works in other occasions, and I think the Jaguars got a two-point conversion off of it, and I know Brady's done it in the past, going back to his Patriots days. But I'm like, wasn't he too far from away from the goal line to do that? And then it turns into a disaster. Well, I think the structure of that play uh, was was what ca- caused the problem because he because he had two guys behind him to push him. That meant the two defensive guys that are covering those two guys were also in the middle. So that that wall got thicker and the wall got higher as bodies start to elevate from contact. And so, you know, when Huntley went to jump, he had to jump a long ways, and he jumped up but not forward because because there was too many guys in that in, in on that two or three yard area between the guards. Um, it would have almost been better if one of them had leaked out, then that would have taken one guy out, and then you would attack that weak spot. But to have the two guys directly behind them pushing kept all the bodies in and made it really, really difficult. And, and when, you, when you go up with the ball above your head, I mean, that's the weakest point that you can have. Uh, you, you're just asking for trouble, and the ball was just batted out. And then the thing was is that once it was batted out and back, there was nobody there to recover it because – because they were pushing into the pile, and uh, it was just unfortunate. Uh, because I, I, I thought that, uh, I, I, you know, I thought the Ravens had been doing a, a really nice job, um, you know, especially with uh, uh, Lamar Jackson out. And I thought Huntley had done a decent job in, in that game. Uh, he actually, you know, was 226 uh, yards plus. He had 34 yards rushing, so he had done a decent job. Uh, but, I mean, that, that one play basically uh, uh, saved the Bengals' season. So, and, and something you've, you've coached in your life as well. You watch a lot of games. Would you, I know sometimes it works, but would you ever recommend jumping like that on a quarterback sneak? Or are you just fine with, like, whatever, go low every play. They still got to stop you. Well, I, I'm I'm not in that situation, right? I, I think that I think that what Huntley saw was that there was just a big pile down at his waist, and so there was no way he was going to be able to bury his head into the you know to the hips of the offensive lineman and get a push. So he, he uh, you know obviously felt that by jumping over because everybody was down so low, and you get so low when you're you're in that quarterback sneak thing, your 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 offensive lineman got four hands on the or, or two hands on the ground and, and defensive lineman did too. So sometimes sometimes. Sometimes that's the only place to go is over the top. But as I said, when you've got that many bodies stacked up in the box like that, that, that made it really difficult. That was a, you know, that was one of those ones where you think, okay, well, I, I, I push ahead and, and then just get stopped at the half yard line. Let's try something else uh, in the next play. But uh, he tried to go for it. And it didn't work out. So Hubbard runs off with the ball. The Ravens tight end Mark Andrews chases him down. I have seen some complaining online that he was the victim of an illegal block. I didn't think it was. I thought it was from the side. Did you see anything wrong there? Well, well, again, it depends on what you're watching. Um, if you're watching the NFL, there's the, the way they call penalties and plays uh, the referees call are, are completely different than what we would see in our league. In our league, that would have been a penalty. If that was a CFL, that would have been a that would have been a penalty um, because you, you have to have your and body and shoulders in front of a guy to make that kind of a block and, and he was beside him and almost uh, his hands were pushing at his shoulder but I believe his head was behind so yeah if, if there was and that's what I was thinking too as he was running down the field and I, that was a, a heck of a run if you watch that play right from you know from the goal line how far that, that tight end came uh, to, to, to catch him he was 15 yards behind Hubbard and uh, and, 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 and actually did catch up to him 
if it wasn't for that, uh, you know, the, the push from the side that he got that uh, caused him to go down. But he, he, it was a heck of an effort by him. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, you never want to leave the game in the hands of the guys with the stripes because – uh, if you do, then uh, a lot of times you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, uh, incredible play for those to be the winning points. And, and you're right, the Ravens did a lot of uh, amazing things in that game. They had that 10-minute drive because the commentator said they want to shorten the game. 10-minute drive for a touchdown. They got a couple long throws when they needed them, but just a, a huge mistake and a big play for Cincy. The other game I want to talk about, and I, I'm sure you know which one it is, so it's 27-0 for the Chargers leading the Jaguars. It's the third largest playoff comeback in the NFL. And it did start late in the first half because the Jaguars got it down to 20 points going to the third quarter, which is still still would have been big enough. Like, it does, does, does that speak to momentum or, or, or is that just speak to a flaw the Chargers had that eventually got exposed? Well, what, what happened? No, I, I think you're right. I think I think there was some momentum gained. I mean, you throw the other thing too is that Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in that first right. half. Two of them were tips, and you know they weren't necessarily all, all his fault, but two of them were his fault. And and uh, they, you think that the uh, the game was in the bag. Yeah, it was. They brought it back to within 20 points just for the half, but then but then uh, they you know, they gave up a, a field goal right away. So now it's 30 to seven. And uh, and to come all the way back, that was that's just uh, you know a, a, a phenomenal effort by the Jags and and, and Trevor Lawrence uh, you know sticking with it, you know because he he threw for 288 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, um, and uh, they they just fought back and fought back and and sometimes when that 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 momentum starts to roll your way, uh, you just you just can't stop it and that's what it looked like with the with the Chargers they just couldn't they couldn't stop it even though they had the big the big lead and and uh, you know and here you are two two quarterbacks who never won uh, a playoff game uh, Hebert and, and and Lawrence and coming into this game you knew what, well one was going to win and one was going to lose and and uh, it was too bad because. Uh, I thought the, the Chargers had done enough in that first half to be able to win that game, but obviously not. Rob and I, because we're lucky enough to have two big screens here in the hockey studio, so we, we put the, the Chargers-Jaguars on as we were watching the Oilers on, and we saw both those penalties by uh, by Joey Bosa, who's a great player. And, you know, Rob, from a hockey standpoint, was like, that's that's deadly to do. Because, and especially the second one, right? He throws his helmet, and he'd already got a penalty for, I think, lipping off earlier. That was maybe a little debatable. But, like, Rob says, like, that's when you show that kind of emotion. I mean, it deflates your team. You get a penalty. And, and I would think... The Jag, if you're a Jaguars player, you're thinking like, oh yeah, these guys are cracking. One of their best players is acting like that, right? Absolutely. You know, that's the the thing that that uh, uh, other teams feed off of is when they see, especially when they see a leader, they see a really good player start to lose it, and uh, and and the frustration starting to show even when you know they're still winning, and you, you're thinking, okay, there's a crack in the armor right there. There's they're they're starting to lose it, and and that just builds on 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 the Jags. Uh, sidelines and it, and it did and it was uh, it was a heck of a, a heck of a game and, a, and, a, and an unbelievable comeback um, but now yeah, now they uh, uh, the Jags have uh, the, the, the Chiefs they got to play next week and I think Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions uh, in that game that it's not going to be close because the Chiefs will close it out well the Chiefs had a comeback from 24 points down uh, I think that they erased in one quarter a couple of years ago against the 
Titans, was it? No, it was the game before the Titans. The Texans, uh, they were down in 24 nothing, I think, in the f second quarter and, and were ahead by halftime. Um, okay, so again, you know, I, I see the stuff on social media and I read stuff online. So a lot of Chargers fans are like, we got to fire everybody, whole coaching staff. Do you buy that, that if a team in football, you know, it's not a seven-game series, it's not an 82-game season, it's a eight just now 17 in the NFL, and you get one playoff game, and if you blow it, it's like, do you buy that, that the Chargers got to make massive changes now? No, I, I don't. I don't believe that at all. I, I uh, but that is that is the nature of the world nowadays. You know, for, uh, fans get frustrated. Fans start to have they have loud voices, and and the team's got to cater to the people that are buying the tickets. But but I think it would be a mistake. Um, you know, uh, good teams good teams weren't always good. I mean, if you uh, watch, take a look way back in the early seventies, the Steelers, and 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 how many uh, uh, how many times they. They uh, ended the season on a negative note, and 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 then they get the immaculate reception, and it's, it sort of turns everything around, and they go on to win uh, four Super Bowls. So they, uh, um, y you got to learn how to, you got to learn how to win. And I think that in that game, um, there's going to be a lot of lessons that they can take and, and go into next season with. And and I don't think that you. Uh, you uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater with this thing. You you just have to uh, you know you, you get back to the drawing board and and hopefully that the, the coaching staff can can take what they did. They had a decent season, and uh, and they got a really good young quarterback and they got a young team. And I think that they uh, they they have to build from that and and, and not start from uh, uh, ground zero again. All right, Blake. Before I let you go, now here's the thing: you cheered for Tom Brady. Because you cheered for the Patriots, I've clarified that several times on the show. You're not a fair-weather Patriots fan that became a Patriots fan once Brady was there and they started winning. For you, it goes back to, I, I don't know how old you are. I assume the early 90s when you were a teenager. Um, <laughs> but but no, but you, you, you go way back to the Patriots through some decent seasons, but through a lot of crap, quite frankly. So do you watch this game tonight, Cowboys and Bucks, and still cheer for Brady or is it just well he's not a he's not a pat anymore so I'm neutral about this game how do you feel well it, it's easy to say that I, I cheer I, I will cheer for the Buccaneers because the because uh, I was never a Cowboys fan I never brought into them that they were America's <laughs> team so you know it's it's kind of like in the NHL I would cheer for anybody anybody that played against Montreal Canadiens I will cheer for anybody that plays against the Cowboys so, so and, okay, and the fact that Brady is seventy-two years old, I just I'm going to cheer for that as well. And uh, well, I believe uh, I looked away for a second, but I believe he threw a pick in the end zone, and then Dallas eventually went back and uh, scored at the other end. Uh, who do who do you? Okay, I I should ask you about the Niners. They knocked the Seahawks off, my favorite team, but I was just thrilled the Seahawks won more than four games. The, the Niners, to me, look really, really good. They're really, really fast. But I still think the maybe three best teams might be in the AFC when it comes down to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, well, I, you, you, can't, you can't count the, the Chiefs the, and the Eagles out for sure. Um, and, uh, and, but I, I like the Niners. Um, and what Brock Purdy has done in the last six games, you know, he didn't have a great day, 18 for 30, but he threw for 332 yards, plus he had another 16 on the ground, three touchdowns. He just seems to be doing 
the right stuff. But what I like about the Niners uh, is their offensive line is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, so, you know, McCaffrey was over 100 yards, 116 yards. I think rushing and Samuels was 133, I think, in receiving. And, and uh, so the defense is strong. They've got great people around them. And, uh, and Purdy doesn't do or hasn't done anything to hurt the team. He just... He's, um, um, he's he's done really well. Uh, it's a great story. And I, I love what the 49ers are doing. And I think they, you know, overall, I think they've got the best team. They may not have the best guy uh, at, at the quarterback position because how do you, you know, you take a look at uh, at uh, Patrick Holmes uh, over there and what he can do with the ball and, and what he can elevate his team up just by his play. But but there's some sort of magic about the 49ers this year, and I, and I really like it, and I, I – uh, I, I want to see it continue. And I don't know who they play next week. Uh, I think it depends on what happens here tonight, Blake. That's right. Yeah, I thought it was – I was reading that. It said it's too determined. So, it'll be interesting to see who they play. But, uh, no, I, I, I like to see out of, the, out of the 49ers. I think they are certainly one of the teams that, uh, that everybody's watching. Blake, uh, always a blast to have you on the show. Uh, you'll have to teach me how to quarterback sneak properly one day. That might be the only play I'd have a hope of executing. <laughs> well, you can't be afraid of contact when you're doing that. <laughs> is is there a play where you can just fall down and not get touched? <laughs> well, the quarterback sneak is a play that you could do that if you've got a really good offensive line. <laughs> right, if they clear everybody out, then you could just fall forward. Okay. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Blake. Hope to see you soon, buddy. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Reed. Talk to you soon. Oh, that is Blake Dermott talking uh, quarterback sneaks, Bengals, Ravens, Chargers, Jaguars, 49ers, all kinds of stuff. Always fun to have. I always learn something about football every time, every time I interview them, no matter what, which I really appreciate. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, great to have Blake Dermott on the show. Got an email here from the Big L to Inside Sports at 630ched.com. He says a nod to the new Skinner. I really believe in Stuart Skinner. Took him in my fantasy draft, and he's working well for me. Apparently, we have another connection. We lost our beautiful 13-year-old Labradoodle back in November, and then in mid-December drove through a terrible storm for five hours to pick up our new family edition, an eight-week-old Labradoodle, and her name is Bo. All right. Big L, thanks for that. We uh, appreciate that. First of all, my sympathy, but yet also uh, happy that you uh, you added another furry mm-hmm. member of the family. Kellen, what do we have there? Uh, a couple of quick ones before we go to break here. We got an unknown text in that says, Hey, Reed, great interview with Jeff Cortnell. I grew up a huge fan of Gino Ojic and wore his number when I played. I would compare him to a LaRock as being a fan favorite and a respected player on and off the ice. That is from an unknown texter and must be a Canucks fan. So there we go. Yeah, appreciate that. That, that was a great interview with Jeff. Uh, really well-spoken, and you could tell how much he loved Gino Ojic. We were happy to have him on the show and share, uh, share some of those thoughts with you for sure. Okay. Minute 19 left in the second quarter. Cowboys 12, Buccaneers nothing. Cowboys have just crossed midfield, so they're looking to add more points here before the end of the half. We'll let you know how that turns out. 